Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. The FT. Welcome to the FT Big Read, a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long-form reporting from around the world. I'm Anna Dedder from the Comment and Analysis Desk. A current feud on Wall Street is a rare instance of a dispute among financiers going as far as public litigation, a spotlight that dealmakers prefer to avoid. The legal battle is between Joe Perella and a former colleague who is sacked amid accusations of a plot to quit and set up a rival firm. Stuart Indap and James Fontanella Khan say that if it reaches court, it would expose the industry's hiring and retention practices. A ruling could even lead to revisions of standards for employee agreements. This report is narrated by Sujit. Under different circumstances, Joe Perella might admire the entrepreneurial pluck of his erstwhile colleague, Michael Kramer. Mr. Perella, 74, is a legend on Wall Street for his role in transforming mergers and acquisitions from a banking backwater into a glamorous big-money business. He is also known for making dramatic exits from two banks, First Boston and Morgan Stanley, to set up boutique firms bearing his name. Yet in February last year, Mr. Perella apparently learned that Mr. Kramer, age 47, was planning to leave his firm, and he did not appreciate it. Mr. Perella's firm, Perella Weinberg Partners, claims in court documents that it discovered a plot by Mr. Kramer to quit and launch a rival investment bank with several of his colleagues. In an echo of Mr. Perella's career, it would have been the second time Mr. Kramer had set out his own stall. Mr. Kramer and three of his associates were fired and eventually sued by PWP, which said that they had breached their employment agreements. According to the PWP complaint filed in New York in October, quote, rather than building their own firm from the ground up or pay for a complete practice by acquiring another firm, they decided to steal the practice group that PWP had spent millions of dollars in over seven years of effort to develop. Mr. Kramer and his colleagues have fired back with a countersuit that denies any plan to leave. They also allege that PWP has defamed them and wrongfully seized $60 million in equity that the group had rightfully earned by, quote, weaponizing their employment contracts against them. The Perla Kramer fight is being watched closely by dealmakers on Wall Street. While disputes often arise among financiers seeking greener pastures, this is a rare instance of a disagreement spilling into public litigation. A trial would put a spotlight not only on the internal workings of an esteemed investment bank, but some bankers fear it could also open an unwelcome discussion on restrictive covenants, the industry's bedrock employment contract provisions. These include gardening leave, a euphemism for allowing employees to be paid after they have left a job to prevent them from immediately starting in a new position with a rival, non-solicitation and non-competition clauses whose legality is controversial could also come under scrutiny. Richard Reese, a labor attorney at Hoggett Newman, who is not involved in the case, says, Restrictive covenants really are a marvelous tool for thwarting competition. The simple threat of litigation around these acts as an instrument to inflict pain on counterparties with fewer resources. Mr. Perla founded Perla Weinberg in 2006, a year after he quit Morgan Stanley during the turmoil engulfing then-chief executive Philip Purcell. He hired a small group of Morgan Stanley colleagues and brought in Peter Weinberg, 
the former chief executive of Goldman Sachs International. Mr. Weinberg's grandfather, Sidney, is considered to be the architect of the modern Goldman Sachs, and several members of the Weinberg family have held senior roles at the bank. PWP raised more than $1 billion from families, including the Weinbergs, as well as Middle Eastern Funds, Istamar, and Gulf Investment Corporation. Like many M&A boutiques, PWP coveted a financial restructuring practice to complement its core merger advisory business. After a boom in distressed debt investing in the 1990s, restructuring had become a lucrative business. The cadre of bankers and lawyers who focused on this niche were suddenly in demand and courted to join small banks such as Lazard and Evercore. In the distressed debt sector, Mr. Kramer was known as a talented banker, albeit one who sometimes butted heads with colleagues. In 2007, PWP acquired Mr. Kramer's restructuring firm, Kramer Capital Partners. Mr. Kramer was named bounding head of PWP's restructuring unit and was given a seat on the management committee. Mr. Kramer started his career in 1989 at Houlihan Loki in Los Angeles as a data entry worker, but rose quickly and became a partner at age 28. A banker who worked closely with him says, Mike started as an intern and then made it to partner faster than anyone in the history of Houlihan Loki. He is one of the hardest workers I have ever come across. At Houlihan, Mr. Kramer met Darren Sloniker, Josh Scherer, and Adam Verost, the three colleagues who were also fired by PWP. In 2001, Mr. Kramer and Mr. Veros left Houlihan for another boutique firm, Greenhill, where they founded a restructuring group. After clashing with Greenhill management, Mr. Kramer left in 2005 to start his own firm. Both sides agree that Mr. Kramer was a successful dealmaker at PWP, but after seven years, he fell out of favor with a PWP top brass. PWP's complaint states, quote, while Mr. Kramer was a talented and productive banker, he had difficulty working within the firm's culture and often engaged in divisive behavior that created strife within the firm. In particular, he had developed a contentious relationship with Mr. Weinberg. According to Mr. Kramer's complaint, Mr. Weinberg told Kramer that no one in the partnership wanted to work with him. The firm even hired a relationship coach to ease tensions. Many sources saw a culture clash, however. Mr. Kramer's background in the rough-and-tumble world of distressed debt did not mesh with the more genteel atmosphere of traditional M&A. One restructuring banker said, People who do well in restructuring are combative over basis points. It is not like Morgan Stanley or Goldman Sachs. Mr. Kramer's background, he attended California State Northridge and then landed the internship at Houlihan, was also different from those of Mr. Weinberg and Mr. Perella. Both men have MBAs from Harvard Business School and are pillars of the New York finance community. A Wall Street executive acquainted with Mr. Kramer says, I can't think of a person on the planet who would be more appalling to Mike Kramer than Peter Weinberg, a guy who comes from a multi-generational Goldman Sachs family. While PWP believed Mr. Kramer was ill-suited for a leadership role, they still wanted him to stay at the firm to generate new business. If he resigned, the terms of his contract called for a one-year period where he could not ask PWP employees to leave the firm and a six-month period in which he could not solicit PWP clients. He was barred from computing with PWP for three years. Mr. Kramer says he had been effectively dumped in mid-2014 when it became clear that his status within the firm was eroding. PWP, according to his complaint, had developed, quote, an atmosphere of disrespect and failure to award compensation and leadership roles based on merit. Mr. Kramer thought the rest of 2014 and early 2015 would be spent coming to a resolution where he could stay at PWP or he could retire. His complaint alludes to managing a farm, winery, or family office or he could start a firm in which PWP would invest. Two members of the asset management group at PWP had left in 2015, including one who had sued for back pay. Those two had created ventures that the firm had seeded. Mr. Sloniker and Mr. Scherer contend that PWP approached them about assuming Mr. Kramer's position. 
When Mr. Perella learned of their allegiance to Mr. Kramer, he allegedly called them members of, quote, Kramer's harem. It all came to a head in mid-February when Mr. Kramer and his three colleagues were sacked by voicemail over the President's Day holiday weekend. PWP says the firings came just after executives had discovered the group's secret scheme to leave en masse. PWP says it learned of a meeting in January 2015 at Mr. Craner's home in Connecticut where eight members of the restructuring team gathered. Documents were circulated, including a spreadsheet entitled New Co-Equity Split, as well as a to-do list for starting a new firm. Mr. Kramer says the gathering was innocuous and had been called by junior members of the team who were frustrated at PWP. At no point, he says, did he solicit his team to join a new firm and that any documents that suggest a new firm were not initiated by him. One PWP team member who attended the meeting was Kevin Kofsky, managing director who has emerged as a key figure. After Mr. Kramer and his colleagues were fired, four remaining PWP restructuring bankers resigned and quickly joined the others at Mr. Kramer's new firm, Ducera Partners. Mr. Kosky remained at PWP and became a partner in late 2015. The risk for bankers and their employers if the PWP case reaches trial is that a court ruling could lead to a revision of the standards for employee agreements. Such fears, along with negative publicity, have tended to lead to quiet settlements among warring parties. Bankers agree to gardening leave to sit out for a few months while being paid their base salaries. Departing bankers sometimes finish assignments if they allow their original firm to keep the fees. One employment attorney says firms have to be conscious of appearing too litigious because, quote, they are constantly both buyers and sellers of talent. In mid-2014, Robert Steele, a longtime Goldman banker and former chief executive of Wachovia, was appointed PWP chief in a move widely considered to be a precursor to an initial public offering. Since 2014, three rivals, Mollis, Houlihan, and PJT Partners, have listed their shares. According to a person familiar with the firm, PWP's 2015 revenue was close to $500 million, a record high for the firm and similar to other listed boutique banks. Whatever the legal merits of its suit, several observers have asked whether PWP's pursuit of the case could affect its reputation. After Mr. Kramer and his colleagues were fired, PWP took the unusual step of distributing memos about the moves to the media, including the Financial Times. And rather than co-advising with Mr. Kramer's new firm in keeping the fees, PWP allowed clients to end their deal engagements. Notably, PWP lost an $18 billion restructuring job for Caesars Entertainment. Settlement talks so far have been fruitless, and both sides are preparing for a trial. Should Mr. Kramer and his team prevail, it will resemble one of Wall Street's most dramatic defections. In 1988, Mr. Perla and Bruce Wasserstein, unhappy with the direction of First Boston, resigned. Within a few days, they had established Wasserstein Perla in a conference room of a midtown Manhattan law firm, and quickly snatched several bankers from First Boston. Such moves were easier in those days, Mr. Perella told the FT last year. You just walked across the street and started doing business. The clients came with you. It's what I call a vertical takeoff. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. 
In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.